Hey friends, welcome to The Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. I'm your host, Andrea Fortenberry. This is a podcast about finding freedom from perfectionism to show up for the life God has for you. Mom life is messy, unpredictable, and just plain hard sometimes, but it's also amazing. I believe God uses it all to grow us into the women He wants us to be. We can't do motherhood on our own. We need God's help. We need wisdom from other moms. We need the encouragement of community. I hope you'll find all of that and more as you listen in. Welcome to episode 22 of The Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. Today I'm talking with my friend, Amy Wicks. Amy is a faith-based Enneagram coach, workshop creator, and speaker who lives in Kansas City with her tree-climbing arborist husband and three kids who can be found on the limbs of trees themselves often. (laughs) I love that. Thanks. (laughs) Amy is also the voice of the weekly Simply Wholehearted podcast and has co-authored The Unseen Way, a book study created for Unseen the gift of being hidden in a world that loves to be noticed by Sarah Haggerty. She loves giving her time to the moms at Radiant Church in Kansas City over a good cup of coffee. Welcome, Amy. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to be here and I'm ready uh, for another cup of coffee myself today. So (laughs) how about you and I chat over a good cup of coffee? (laughs) That sounds awesome. Let's do it. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because I love the Enneagram. I think it's such a helpful tool and it's been very popular over the past couple of years. And so I thought, yeah, it would be great to have you share with listeners about what it is because some may not have heard of it, or I've also seen people questioning, you know, different things about it. Like, is this really going to help me? Is this really something we can use in a faith-based setting? So can you give us a quick intro to what the Enneagram is? Oh, yes. I love this question. And I wish I could give, you know, the answer in two sentences. Instead, it's going to be about two paragraphs, but I'm going to do my best to stick to that. (laughs) Because the Enneagram is a typology system. And you've heard of other personality tests, Myers-Briggs, DISC, the animal test. uh, I mean, Colby, so many different things out there. So this is just another typology system. Enneagram, as it means in its very basic form and definition, is Ennea means nine in Greek. And gram, well, it means diagram. So that's the basic understanding. When you've seen the Enneagram, you may have seen a nine-pointed shape out there. And maybe as a believer, as a sister in Christ, you may have gone, ooh, Um, I'm not so sure about this. (laughs) This maybe looks kind of weird, but that is just the symbol. It's a, there are meanings to the lines and the shape and everything like that, but in its root, it's just a system. It's a tool of wisdom. I definitely say to all my friends, because I am a faith-based Enneagram coach, it's just a tool, not a religion. One of Yeah, it's so important to realize it as such, and it's just one of many really helpful tools out there. The one thing that sets this typology apart from any other typology or personality system is that the Enneagram measures motivations, Mm -hmm. not actions. And there is a really big difference because honestly, our motivations are with us from the very beginning, from mm-hmm. conception even, I think. And so while our actions might change over the years, 
our motivations stay the same. And it's about getting our motivations in line with Christ and his plan for us. And that's the fun transformation part of the Enneagram. I love that. I have just found it really helpful. And it's so crazy that when you take the test, like how accurate it can be, like some of these personality assessments, I'm like, wow, this is really, really crazy how well it can tell you about (laughs) about yourself. Totally. I think it's, it's super fun. There's a lot of light bulb moments in the process of it. And, and for some of our friends, they may have taken the test and been like, I don't know, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) But uh, that's why I like using the Enneagram as a conversation. And that's why the podcast is such a great way to start learning about the Enneagram because it's through conversation and story and understanding all the bits and pieces about it that you can better understand. Okay, this is really my motivation. Maybe the Mm -hmm. test said this, but that's partly because of my season of life or I was having fun while I was taking the test or was really stressed while I was taking the test or was at home or at work, all those different things. But as you begin to explore it, you go, oh, no, this is really how I'm motivated. Right. Amy, what are some benefits of us knowing our type and then kind of exploring the the number that we are and and all that that means? This is a great question because we could use the Enneagram as just a fun dinner table talk topic, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, and the next party, like what's your Enneagram type? Uh, but, you know, I really, really champion the fact, don't just get the t-shirt. Don't just get your customized mug. <laughs> oh, I <love> that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- those are fun and, you know, maybe someday I'll sell those, but really it's about understanding how we can, um, having the self-awareness, which leads us to humility mm-hmm. and our need for Christ. And then to understand our differences in our relationships, because we can live in a place where our differences drive us crazy and we're barely tolerating them. Or I have really found with the Enneagram, I go from tolerating to celebrating and my relationship with my husband, with my three kids, with my family of origin, even, and even people that have worked with over the years. So incredibly powerful to, to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand the lens that they're looking through. And when you realize the lens you're looking through while you're going, all right, Jesus, I need some help. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not as perfect as I thought I was. (laughs) Absolutely. So what is your Enneagram number, Amy? Well, if you would have asked me when I first started, I would have said, I'm an Enneagram too. Like most Christian women, when they first take the test or they start diving into it, they're like, oh yeah, Enneagram two all the way. Well, when I am told that by somebody, I'm like, oh, really? How did you arrive to that? Yeah. <laughs> because as I've learned in helping others figure out their dominant type and in my journey, uh, it can take a while because you have to be so stinking honest with yourself. Right. But I have a funny story where I have, even though I'm a certified Enneagram coach, I mistyped myself twice. And I finally figured out the type I lead with because, well, you're going to laugh at this. Uh, we added a puppy to our family and that threw me into crisis and stress (laughs) and everything. And I was like, 
oh, wait a minute. It's been 10 years since we had a baby. And I'm suddenly having real bad flashbacks of what those years were like. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, it was in that journey and that kind of the Lord had been working some other self-awareness pieces in my heart, but it was kind of through that process, to be honest, where I'm like, okay, I have to finally admit it. I lead as a type seven. Okay. Okay. That's very cool. The enthusiast, right? Yes. The enthusiast. (laughs) And so, and I lead as a, with a wing eight and a self-preservation is my subtype. So any of you who are really into the Enneagram, you're going to know what I'm talking about, but those who want to know more about it, well, eventually you'll understand that too. (laughs) That's neat. I, when I first, before I took the Enneagram, you know, the assessment, I thought, okay, for sure. I am either a one which is the perfectionist or yes. a three, which is the achiever. I thought like, surely I am one of those. And when I took the test, my top number was a two, <laughs> which uh-huh. is the helper. <laughs> and at first I, I was very perplexed, but I also have a lot of six and nine in mm-hmm. me too. And, mm-hmm. but then the more I was learning about the Enneagram and learning about wings and how you often will wing to the number above or below you, depending on yes. situations that helped make total sense for me, because I feel like in relationships, I do very much wing to that perfectionistic, mm. um, you know, tendency and, and in my, yeah, my marriage, my mothering friendships, I very often veer to a one and in work in some ways, but then I feel like definitely in work, like I am a three in like, I like to achieve and do different things. And so it made so much sense to understand that aspect of the Enneagram. It is really helpful. And I'm always quick to say, listen, if we are made in the image of God, which is our first identifier, that's where we find our identity, right? Then the Enneagram is just a tool that helps articulate that some of the different facets of God. And it's only Mm -hmm. nine facets of God. This typology is nowhere to the depth of who God is and his character, but it illuminates nine different aspects. And so if Mm -hmm. we're made in God's image, then we actually hold all nine types, which is such a beautiful reminder of how we get to display his personality and be his hands and feet here on earth. And so I'm, I'm always really quick to say, you're probably going to identify with a lot of them. That's, that's a good thing because I believe the goal ultimately is, is to integrate all nine types and how you operate, whether it's being able to put the lens on and understand from their perspective or grow in those, the strengths of each of those personalities, because it just makes you a whole hearted person in all you do and all you say. That's so great. I love that. And I, as I took the test and then I was reading the road back to you and, you know, it shows you on the Enneagram because again, it's like nine, the diagram is nine and it points arrows. Like if you're this type in some ways you go to this type in stress or in health, you revert to this number. And that was really helpful too, because I just, as the pandemic was going on, I found Mm -hmm. myself sometimes feeling challenged or like I would revert to some of those tendencies and my husband is an eight. And so it was interesting to kind of see similarities there. And I, when I read the book, I was like, oh, a two does often go toward an eight when absolutely under stress or things like that. So it's just really, really a fascinating tool that we can use. 
Yeah. And that is actually was my telltale sign. It was in that, in that season of stress of adding another quote unquote (laughs) member to the family that I was like, oh yeah, my, so my line of stress is a one and I was trying to control things and I couldn't, and I was being woken up at night and I, and also just the feeling of being limited and, and just all the different, you know, like suddenly I had no freedom and I was like, oh, I don't like this. So it was in that process. And a lot of times too, I encourage women who are just can't seem to figure out what type they lead as a lot of the times I use questions to help us understand what their stress looks like. And then we work backwards and and that's kind of a fun way to discover it as well. Oh, that's helpful. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question actually is how can someone figure out what type they are? Yeah. And I have, um, I have a couple of different ways personally that I like to use. One of those is I, I have 15 minute zoom conversations that I welcome people to use for free. If they're not sure, I even have a video typing guide. Um, this is a great way to just go through. I explain communication style and our decision making style. I use the conversation and the questions with those to help people better understand. Okay. Um, you know, this is, this is maybe how I lead. And then my number one question. And a lot of time I start my conversations with is how did you make your decision about your post high school career or, um, education choice. And Mm -hmm. it's in their sharing of that process that I'm able to ask a couple more questions because there's a lot of telling in that that helps me understand not only their communication style, but also their decision-making style. And it's kind of fun to, you know, unravel it from there because, and again, because it's a motivation that is within you from the very beginning, if you're 40, like me, 41, you might have to go back a few decades to really uncover what you've built on and what you have done in order for the world to either approve you or love you or know you or feel secure or significant in the life that you lead. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So that core motivator can be really helpful then. Yes. And I always say, read a lot, listen to a lot, read a lot, have conversations with your family, those who know you best. Um, my sisters were a great resource to tie into and be like, Hmm, what do you think about this? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And one of the other things that I have found just so beneficial from the Enneagram is understanding the people in my life better when I know their number, like I said, my husband's an eight. And so he is a challenger. And sometimes, like you said earlier, we see others numbers as like a frustration sometimes, or like they're just different from us. But now I really do celebrate and appreciate that in him. And it's just been really a neat process to walk through and learn to appreciate how other people act out of their type. Oh my goodness. It's been amazing. My husband's a nine. There's so many conflicts that we would have because of his point of view and the fact that he could see everyone else's point of view. But my kids are also old enough now that they are aware of the types that they lead us. My youngest one is 10. And so he's just, he's, he always asks me, so mom, what number am I? And it's, (laughs) it's a funny conversation, but my girls are teenagers and they love to talk about, they talk about with their friends, but it has been incredible incredible because one leads as a seven, just like me. And the other leads as an eight and they're 14 months apart. And they shared a room up until like six months ago. So, um, let me just tell you, and all three of my kids are in the assertive stance, which, oh man, let me tell you sister, (laughs) no dutiful or withdrawing type in any of them. And I have my work cut out for me, but 
understanding even that concept alone of what their communication style is, oh, it has changed how I like discipline and train and converse and work with them and trying to work together and to work with um, work with us and trying and our desire to have their hearts uh, before they leave our home. Oh, that's so helpful. So neat. Well, Amy, we were chatting about having you on the podcast and we were, you were sharing with me about the fact that each type really does have its own unique struggle with perfectionism. And I thought that was so neat because sometimes when I talk about perfectionism, some people tell me like, I'm not a perfectionist. I don't struggle with it, but the more I just kind of observe and know people, I really think that we all do in our own unique way. It may, it may not look the same. It may not be to the same degree as someone else, but I think we all have a little bit of perfectionism in us. So I thought I could have you share about that and how each type might struggle with perfectionism. Oh yes. I totally wholeheartedly agree. I think it's so true. And, and, you know, a lot of times when we're talking Enneagram, a lot of people will assume the Enneagram type one is the only one who is the perfectionist. They're known as the reformer, the perfectionist. I think uh, they're the responsibility advocate as moms. Like they're really, really great about that. And you are familiar with the type one as your wing, right? So I, but I disagree because I think each of us are mo- motivated in one way or another to have security, significance, or justice. And it's out of those motivators that we we do things that might surprise even us sometimes. So we're like, where did that come from? You know, right. that feels like, oh, somebody else would do that, whether it was your mom or your dad or, you know, a loved one that mm-hmm. you feel embodies more of the perfectionist character traits. But uh, as I was really praying and asking the Lord about the conversation that we were going to have here today. I wanted to give, um, give a perspective that I feel like the listeners were needing to hear at this time. And so I came up with a list and and kind of a, a phrase for each type. And what I felt the Lord was impressing on me is it's really more oftentimes we're driven in this perfectionist because we don't think we're enough. We don't think we have enough or we can do enough. And, and all of those uniquely motivate us in one way. And so perfectionism and our desire for perfectionism also often leads us to striving. And it's in that striving that we burn out and we're exhausted. And we unfortunately hurt our relationships because we come across as nitpicky and complaining and gripey and all in on, we just walk around with discontentment. And um, I know that those of all of our friends who are listening to this, the goal of listening and being part of your community is that we want to change that. We want, yeah. we don't want to be that anymore. And so I, before I say this, the, the last little piece that I would say is that, and I know you, Andrea and I, we feel the same way that the only, only hope for our perfectionism or our, our striving is for Jesus Christ to meet those needs and for him to satisfy and fulfill that. So I say all these, that that's the ultimate answer. Um, but a lot of times this understanding, this awareness can lead us to him and humility, but also can lead us to ask for help, whether it's through coaching or reading a book or asking friend for accountability. So my first one, I'm going to just start with type one because they get the top one today. <laughs> and we might have a lot of type ones in our audience because of, because of the title and your focus and everything right, like that. Right. But um, my type one friends, they often get hung up on not being good enough. Mm-hmm. 
And this causes them to strive and prove that they are good enough. And the father, of course, our heavenly father says, you're good enough in me. <laughs> and I'm okay. So I'm going to like, I'll have to abbreviate this next time. That's as long as I'll get for this one. <laughs> Cause I want to like preach to everybody and help everybody. But the, the type one is hung up on not being good enough. Mm. Now the type two is get stuck with not feel with feeling like they're not helping or they're being generous enough. Mm. So they continue to do more for other people instead of take care of themselves. Oftentimes the type three doesn't ever feel successful enough that they haven't achieved enough that they haven't done enough mm. and they continue to try to do more and more and more and now my type four friends they are they pursue wanting to be unique and creative and different and one of a kind so they oftentimes feel that they are un not unique enough and they have to prove themselves in some form or fashion mm. um, the type five they are driven by an insatiable appetite for knowledge. So they often feel that they don't have enough knowledge and they're going to continue to gather and research and learn. And then maybe once they have all the information, they'll move forward, which the invitation for, from the Lord is so different of like, no, there's enough in me. Right, right. <laughs> the type six is often concerned that they are not prepared enough, whether it's they're not prepared enough to be a mom or once they're a mom, they're not prepared enough to go do that thing with their kids or let them go to school or let them go to a friend's house. I haven't prepared them enough and I haven't prepared enough. And now the type seven, I'm speaking to my seven sisters. <laughs> they often really struggle with feeling like they don't have enough time, energy, or resources. And so that the, they feel that their life is limiting them and their life ha hasn't provided enough opportunity um, or the resources they need to pursue their dreams or to be content in motherhood. And type eight, they often are, are feeling that they're not protected or protecting enough. Mm. I think as, as mama mama bear eights, mm -hmm. I like to call them in particular, <laughs> that it's, it's they should do more they should have um guarded themselves more guarded their kids more and and it's a little bit different than a six who who fears the safety it's more that the eight more um, fears the vulnerability and the process okay. of that and the type nine they if we could sum it up for them they just they're not sure that they are valued enough or valuable enough. And does their presence actually matter? Can they make a difference in, in their home with their children, with their spouse, with their friends, with their community? But the truth of all of those things is that they are enough. Every one of mm -hmm. our friends listening, every one of you, you are enough in Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's in Christ who can satisfy and fill that need, fill that emptiness and help you um, live wholeheartedly in motherhood and in your community and in your ministry and all the things that the Lord has called you to. Oh, Amy, that's so good. I think, yeah, that word enough, like you said, it leads us to striving. It leads us to control to, I think those words are just so related for that perfectionist fear that we have, or that desire to be perfect comes from that mm -hmm. place of fear of having really like a scarcity mindset that 
Yes. That we're not enough, that we have to do, that we have to be, that we have to achieve all of these things. And it really is so freeing when we realize, like you said, that we are enough because of Jesus in us and that we can let go of those expectations that we put on ourselves or let go of trying to gain others approval or to just do and be all of these things that the world tells us to do. We can rest in Mm -hmm. who God has made us to be. And I love how, you know, the Enneagram helps us to realize like our unique need for Christ to come and fill. And when we acknowledge that we, we can catch ourselves. I think like, as we get tripped up, like, okay, I'm, you know, struggling with control right now, or I'm struggling with people not appreciating me or whatever it is, we can then invite Jesus to come into those places because we recognize that we, we need him to fill that for us. Amen. And I, I spend a lot of time talking about this because this is the root of, I have, I have a 12 week program and one-on-one coaching and, and all this different stuff. But specifically, if people are looking for just like a free, quick, help me understand this even a little bit more. Um, I have a podcast, Simply Wholehearted Podcast and episode 191 dives into this in just about like 20 minutes. And it covers what I have I have named it the orphan mindset Mm. and it's this idea that you have to mom alone, that you have to muddle through somehow and that you have to do it out of your own strength. And it just identifies a little bit more some of these mindsets that might be tripping us up and, and what the Lord would say and just some scripture too, because I know for me, um, I, that's, that's usually when I realize, okay, I'm operating on my own strength. I am not acknowledging the fact that I have a heavenly father who has, taken me as his own. And I have, I have a full inheritance in him. And, and when I'm, you know, when I'm stressed and I'm complaining and I'm like, I don't have enough time, energy or resources. And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. I have everything because I'm a daughter of the King. And it's that little shift that can make all the difference in the world. Oh, that's so good. Trying to remember what I was just going to say about, um, just, yeah, how each type it's so helpful to know our type and when we are feeling that scarcity mindset that happens to, Mm. Oh, I know where I was going. (laughs) I remembered that when we are feeling alone, that, that it really is like a game of the enemy, a strategy of the enemy that we, that we are alone, that you're the only mom who is fearful about these things that you're the only mom who feels like she doesn't know what she's doing, all of that. And and really when the enemy isolates us, it can just bring us to not a good place. But I like that the Enneagram, I think really can unite us in a lot of ways and remind us that we aren't alone in our unique motivator or the struggles that we have, because it's fun. Like when you meet like a fellow seven or a fellow two, it's like, oh yeah, me too. It's like, we get each other totally a little bit. (laughs) And so it really is just helpful. I think to use this assessment because then it helps again, helps you learn more about people in your life, but then you really can see others like heart to heart in their unique type. But then especially when you find others that have your same type as well, because you really then see, oh, like God, you know, designed others, not, not just like me, but similar to me. And it's helpful to know that I am not the only woman, the only mom who struggles in this particular area. 
Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Because <laughs> that's good to not mom alone. We don't need to do that. Yes, for sure. For sure. Any final thoughts, Amy, you want to share with us about the Enneagram? Well, I would just say, you know, a lot of you, you're up to your eyeballs and laundry and dishes and schedules. And now sports are starting again. Praise the Lord. Um, yes. You know, all that different stuff. So life is busy and hectic. And, you know, the Enneagram, yeah, I do actually believe it's life-changing, but um, don't put it over your Bible study, <laughs> getting yes. in the word of God, things like that. Have a lot of fun with it. It's a journey. It's going to take time. Uh, you know, I, and I really would say this, if you're going to explore the Enneagram, I give one word of caution. I, I have a whole, again, I mean, I, I, I just have created a lot of stuff. I've been doing this for several years, but I spent uh, three episodes of my podcast, um, diving into should Christians use the Enneagram mm -hmm. and the number one thing that I would want anyone to walk away from watching that as a believer, be very careful where you're learning the Enneagram from, because there is some weird stuff out there, just like anything else. Mm -hmm. So I give that caveat as you, as you give yourself this, uh, to this journey of self-awareness and exploration, um, just be mindful of who your teachers are and have a lot of fun with it. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. And at the end of every episode, I like to ask some fun questions. Are you ready? I, I'm here for that because Enneagram <laughs> fun, come on, give it to me. <laughs> yes, you're the enthusiast. So here we go. So what are you reading, watching, or listening to these days? I really liked this question <laughs> and I'm totally not going to be very spiritual about it. That's okay. Here's the deal. Okay. So I do not have a Netflix subscription, so I'm just going to give that caveat, but, okay. um, I have a sister who did at one time and who has gone on to cancel that again, <laughs> my caveat, but <laughs> before she did, she had me watch the, the Netflix original called Enola Holmes. Oh, I've not heard of it. Oh, my goodness. So I'm a little bit of a mystery nerd. Like that was my dream. Um, and still is that if I could write mystery novels someday, I'm here for that. Um, and <laughs> so I'm a little bit it. of like, I love Sherlock Holmes, anything and mysteries and all that fun stuff. So it's the cutest movie. So brilliantly done. And I just thought it was beautiful. But what I found out after that is that there's books and the books were written before the movie came out. Oh. And I actually did think they did a fabulous job of ca um, capturing it. So they're actually young adult fiction. <laughs> yeah, okay. that tells you how smart I am. <laughs> but it also tells you all you moms out there who feel like you can't finish a book. Well, I can promise you, you can finish these books. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm reading that series. They're fast read. I'm not done with them yet, but so far I'm on book. I want to say four or five and they're clean and good and, and even good for your teens. Awesome. That's great. I love that. Oh, and I do have one spiritual there. Okay. I, I did think of this. Okay. So <laughs> the one thing I do have on um, repeat right now is Stephanie Gretzinger's album forever. Amen. It came oh. out about a year ago. I cannot, uh, it's just like, it's there every day. Listen to it. So good. Um, if you haven't heard of her, dive into everything Stephanie Gretzinger. It's so good. <laughs> oh, awesome. I will definitely link all of your recommendations in the show notes for sure. Listening. So you can easily click and find them. That's mm -hmm. right. And they're all on Amazon. So super helpful. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Amy, what is your best soul or self-care tip for mom? 
I like how you use this word because I just had an episode two that I said, um, soul care, not self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really funny about that. And that's just trying to figure it out. So I have a lot of tips uh, in my coaching program. I usually spend time helping mamas figure out their top five go-to soul care routines mm-hmm. and even contemplative practice being a part of that. But I would say what I really, I've learned to avoid myself and I recommend to every other mama to avoid is junk food, Netflix, and social media. Yes, I know. I just told you a good Netflix show, but here's the deal. It's got to fit in the right time and place. All of those junk food for celebration and fun Netflix for when you're with family and it's a part of celebration and social media, when you're doing work and when you're really truly connecting with people. But all of those things, if they're done, when you need soul care first, you just end up getting lost in the scroll. You feel bad about yourself and oftentimes stumbling into the sin of comparison. So that's, that's my little sermon on self-care or soul care. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's so wise. And I, I, there definitely is a difference between the two because I really think like self-care is like physical things that we do for yes. ourselves. Like we get a manicure or we get our hair done or that kind of thing. And that can be helpful and beneficial too. We feel like totally. a woman sometimes after those things, but really I have found in my journey as a mom, like I needed the soul care more than the self-care. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think someone massaging my legs and paint my toenails is totally soul care. (laughs) (laughs) At least once every four months or so. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Amy, what is God teaching you in this season? Ooh, Andrea, that's a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, um, I really am in the midst of trauma and grief, and I don't say that lightly. Um, it's a, a really hard season that I did not anticipate coming. And in fact, I thought it was a season that I had already been through. Mm-hmm. So I think our friends can understand because you've all probably been there. You've walked through something really hard. And then a few years, years later, maybe even a couple decades, you're feels like you're facing it on a whole nother level. So um, I, but I think ultimately what the Lord is teaching me is to hold out hope, hold mm-hmm. out hope for redemption, hold out hope that he's got a better purpose at play, even in the midst of grief and trauma. Mm-hmm. That's good. And that's my word of the year actually is hope. <gasps> oh, I love that. That's so yeah. good. Should I have love- been mine. I think I'll scratch out my old one and I'll write in hope. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that. It's not always easy to share, honestly, as we're going through something. I think it's just, we put on that face and just Mm -hmm. everything is great and I'm fine. And we try to be brave and strong, but I really think that courage and bravery is being vulnerable with others because- it's, it's not easy. It feels like we're exposing a part of us that could get hurt or could, yes. um, yeah, just, we don't know if we can trust people in that, but I found that when we go first and when we share honestly about the hard things of life, that it just invites others to do the same. And it really can connect us in such a deeper way versus shrugging it off and we're good and everything is fine. And I'm trying to be, um, this put together person when, maybe right now I'm not. Yeah. I have found myself being fearful of being misunderstood Mm -hmm. because it's such a nuanced, unique situation. And I'm trying to uh, not necessarily protect the people involved, but it's not a clean cut ordeal. Like it's super messy. And, and it's, 
it's hard to live with that reality of grief and trauma and not be able to share it to everyone. It, it's not, um, it's not like a death that I can post a picture and say, I lost this loved one. And, and people would understand that universal struggle. It's, it's a little bit crazier than that. And so, um, it's hard when you're, you know, a person like me who loves to do all the things and be with all the people and to enter into a season where I'm like, I can't do that much. I don't have the capacity. I have to leave room to care for my family, care for my heart, care for my soul. And, and it's just learning to allow the Lord in a new way. Cause I think I've dealt with misunderstanding in the past, but this is a new level of it where I'm like, you know what, all that matters here is, is that I do what the Lord has asked me to do. And that's take care of the most important things in this season and, and to just rest in that. So, you know, again, I just think of my friends who are going through that and are nodding their head at like, yes, I'm afraid of being misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Get a couple of people who you can tell the whole thing to and, and just rest in that of that knowing and that telling and, and everyone else might just have to understand later. Mm-hmm. That's so wise. And I think too, as you were talking, a good practice that it sounds like you're doing is really just kind of honoring your season where you are and honoring the boundaries that you need in this season. And sometimes that's really hard because like you said, you love people, you love sharing with people. And so sometimes it's hard when we can't do that, but to know that in each season, there are blessings and burdens and to try to really just honor and really, again, all these questions I feel like are connected, like just honor your soul and protect your soul and your family. And that sometimes that means that we do need to bring the circle tighter and to not be doing some of the things that we were doing before. So we can really take care of ourselves. Well, totally. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that friend. Okay, friend, where can people connect with you? Where can they find resources that you have about the Enneagram? Yes. Um, I love to connect with people on Instagram first and foremost, and you can find me as simply wholehearted. That's the name of the, the ministry slash business. Mm-hmm. And, um, I love talking about wholeheartedness and then I've got, um, I just started on clubhouse. I don't know anybody, you know, like, uh, who's like a pro at clubhouse. I'm just you know, dipping my toes in the water, but yes, as a podcaster, I'm like, Hey, I think I should try this out. So, um, I'm simply whole though, because apparently you're limited to 15 characters and simply wholehearted is like too, too many. <laughs> so, um, we stuck with simply whole and, um, but I would say if you want, and I think, I think our friends here are going to really love that as I've created an Enneagram for mom's guidebook. It's a, a beautiful download. Um, it's right there on the front page of my website, simply whole hearted that you can get and you can, you can begin to thumb through it and go, Oh, I know I lead as this type. And these are some tips and some questions I ask some awareness exercises, or if you're just at the beginning too, and you're wanting to read about it all, it's a great place to begin. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. I will link it in the show notes so that listeners can find it. And thank you, Amy. This has been a pleasure to chat with you today. It has truly been the highlight of my week. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Would you do me a favor and help me get the word out about the Perfectionist Guide to Mothering? I'd be so appreciative if as you listen, you take a screenshot, post it to social media, and tag me. You can also rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening so that other moms can find it. 
Looking forward to being with you next time.